Hi, I'm Lee. And I'm Lauren. And you're listening to Saturation Italicized on Weagle 91.1 FM. Tune in live at 9 p.m. on Tuesdays for your weekly dose of art and design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to... That should not be happening. (laughs) Welcome to Saturation Italicized. I'm Lee. And I'm Lauren. And Lauren, I think we're going to jump right in today. I've heard that you have some fun uh, Instagram designers for us. Yes, okay, so we've talked about this a lot, how we go to Instagram now for our inspiration, kind of as much or more than Pinterest. And I feel like sometimes designers can be hard to find. Mm-hmm. And so Davis on Compact Discourse at 8 a.m., he does this thing called Recca, Recca Monday or something like that. Recca Monday. Where he gives, like, recommendations on Monday. Something like that. I heard it. <laughs> and so that's what we're doing today. We're, like, doing Recca Tuesday design style. And we're going to start out. These are in no particular order. And some of them, it's a wide variety. I got a wide variety. But we're going to start out with this Instagram designer, I also don't know how to say some of these. I'm going to spell them out for you. It's E-S-C-O-O-L-E-R. And this guy, Adam Wells, he does animation and art direction in Stockholm. And all of his stuff is very 3D. So he has, like, a deck of cards where all of the characters are, like, the kings. They're all 3D. Um, oh, are you pulling cool. up his stuff? Yeah. Yes. Um, does... So this is, do you know what he makes these on? I have no idea. 3D stuff really blows my mind because I don't know how you make it. Well, Adobe is, uh, I can't remember what the software is called. They just released software for 3D modeling things. Um, and they, I think they might already had, maybe had one like 3D, mm-hmm. like software or something or other. But it's so hard i know it looks so daunting so i like this guy because he makes such playful characters these are awesome and he has i don't know i feel like he kind of sticks to the same color scheme although when you Mm -hmm. start scrolling back it starts to get different but i thought he was cool he's on something right now um they look like clay uh, yeah they do they don't people. look digital no that's what i was gonna say because i was starting off to say like are these digitally made or because you're right they don't look digital at all he's really good at like lighting Mm -hmm. on things to make them look 3d yeah they look really realistic the only thing that makes me think it's digital is just how perfect it is yeah i think it i think it has to be digital um uh, like otherwise the quality of these just wouldn't look the way they do yeah i agree but awesome anyone's looking for 3d style people and setting i recommend Adam Wells. Okay, next person. <laughs> she is an illustrator based in Prague, and her username is P-O-L-I-L-O-V-I. Um, I don't know how you say that. Polilovi? Yeah, I mean, who's to say? But she's an illustrator, and she, I like her stuff because she focuses on portraits with just one person in them, and they're monochromatic. And she mm. doesn't have, she has a lot of implied lines. Like, she doesn't necessarily draw or indicate where the profile of the face ends and where the background begins you're right but these the implied lines look great I know it's so good she just has such good attention to shadow and Mm. detail and shape and color 
And it's hard to make um, portraits of people who are recognizable because she has, like, yeah. Uh, who's the girl who plays Wednesday? What's her name? Uh, Jenna Ortega. She has her on here, and you can tell it's her. She had um. She's the Audrey girl with the pearl earring. Yeah. yeah. And then the girl from uh, Mia Wallace from Pulp Fiction. She does have oh, a yeah, lot yeah. of, Emma like, Thurman. identifiable characters and people i don't know it's just so cool and then the black swan one yeah the black swan one oh it's so good i just think her color is beautiful and her style is so unique but so well done yeah i really like this if you scroll further back on her page too it's uh her style has changed a lot but i love seeing that like like because she's doing more like photorealistic portraits later like further back in her career and like mm-hmm. seeing them compared to now it's like cool that she can do both yeah that's true and she developed her style yeah yeah you really do you love to see it okay number three we have aiga ion design this one i just think is a great resource if you're looking for new designers or just something new because i think they're always posting stuff not that are just on not on trend in a bad way but just on trend um what do you i wish yeah i've been on aiga before um but sometimes maybe well maybe i'm thinking of a different account oh i'm thinking of a something something texture supply there's another page like this i follow on instagram that's Mm -hmm. like a compilation of different artists but they are really bad at like crediting like who made what they'll be like oh they used our texture here um but i think aiga is a bit better at that and they've got like you're right they are really good at staying on trend but also um showing like a wide variety yeah a wide variety of like what's trending and like Mm -hmm. you know more chic or girly or boho or you know like yeah there's go into there's a lot they even have like a bit of like psychedelic stuff going on too yeah they have some they have stuff that's just image they have some that's animation they have type stuff Mm -hmm. they have it all they have packaging identity branding they just have so many good things how they find their designers i don't know but and hopefully uh hopefully auburn will have an aiga chapter pretty soon (sighs) let's hope so all right. Oh, my gosh. What? Speaking of AIGA. Okay, so I scroll down. If, if you go all the way down to May 3rd, 2022, you can see the typeface I'm using for my project. If oh, any, what typeface is that? If anyone's wondering, it's Fit, and it's on Adobe Adobe fonts. But May May 3rd? Yeah. It's going to take me forever. Oh, I just found such a pretty one. Oh, I like that one with the eyeballs. Yeah, we could scroll here all day. Yeah, yeah, definitely go check out AIGA Ion Design account. They've got such cool things to look at. The next one we have, we have a poster designer here. And his name, or his username is Micah here. And he's a 21-year-old designer from Cincinnati, which I just love supporting a young designer. How, 21? 21. Oh, it kills me seeing, I've seen him before. It kills me seeing, like, people my age just be so good already. It's like, how long have you been designing, bro? How do you have your own design style already? Like, what? That's why I have to support. So he makes a lot of posters, and he has, like, he always includes, like, a carousel format. So he has his poster on the first page like post of course and then you can scroll sometimes you'll see it in context so a mock-up sometimes you'll see it more zoomed in this is killing me how do you 
How does he do that? I don't know. He does have a very specific style. He includes like a type, some sort of like word in like the top half and then an image typically. And it's like a very 50s style image, like with like the uh, black half tone. I love that. The eye style. Yeah. I wonder if he's drawing the, what gets me about this stuff is the illustration. I always wonder how they're illustrating. Um, So I wonder if he like has an iPad or something. I always I don't wonder know. that too. I think I need to invest in an iPad. Have you been thinking about that recently? Cause I've been thinking about that. Yeah, and I hate it because, but I mean, it's getting to the point in class where everyone's whipping out their iPad. Their iPad. You kind of need one for illustration. You do. Uh, it's just it's, too hard on the computer. It's so hard to do on the computer. And you can, of course, scan stuff in, but that means like they're all going to come with a very specific style, and there's only mm-hmm. so much editing post-computer you can yeah. do with that. I guess you could make an edit or draw something and then like scan it into Illustrator and pen tool it. But you know, an iPad would be easier. And I feel like with an iPad, there's so many resources within the iPad. Like you can buy texture packs and brush yeah. packs and I don't know. But, but I'd be scared I'd like buy one and then just never end up using it or something. Exactly. It would just be a waste of money. It's definitely going to be something that I need to decide probably after I graduate. It's a graduation it gift. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but you know how we said the progression on uh, one of the designers earlier? If you scroll down on Micah's, oh. his stuff is completely different. He's a little photography king, yeah. isn't he? So he just, he just jumped in and had a style from his first post onward. Maybe he's been designing for a while. I mean, surely. Because he at really just whipped that up. Um, okay, our next designer... One of my favorites for many years now. His name is Ryan Carl Studio. And he's not what you would picture when you think of a designer. But he plays a lot with, like, word choice. So the example I have mm-hmm. is he has one. He also focuses a lot on carousels. So his, like, first post in the carousel, it says time. And it just says time in the middle. And then he says hang time. And it's each letter form just hanging and then he says something's time-consuming, and it's just the word time written over and over and over again on the page. And I think he just does such good play on words. You know who would love him? Who? Any of our professors. He yeah, has that professor-type design. He does, and I think he uses – well, that's not true. He does stick with one uh, typeface that I really like, but I just pulled up another example that he didn't have that. Um but yeah, I just love his stuff. Yeah, I really like this too. He may be my, I think he's my favorite one you've mentioned thus far. That's Ryan Carl Studio. Yes. At first you said he doesn't, like he doesn't look like the typical designer. And then I saw his profile picture and I was like, oh yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he does. He, he's got that he does look line. like it, but. This stuff is awesome. I know. He what? does a lot of line stuff. And I like that he screen prints, but he also hand writes I don't know. I just I'm, I'm a big so fan. So upset. I never took screen printing. It looks so good in design. Same. It looks so I would have loved to do woodcut or screen printing and mm-hmm. no, I took intaglio, which is like probably no offense, the most useless printmaking to know how to do. But it's like they didn't tell us at the beginning they when they were like you need to take all the math or all not the math, the arts. All the arts. And they didn't tell you which ones. Yeah, it kind of stinks graduating like knowing you're not going to get to take a class you really wanted to. Yeah, that is frustrating. But you know what's not frustrating? Our next, Our next designer. <laughs> so next we have Matt Shirley. Lee? I hardly know her. I know. <laughs> okay, but Matt, okay, he's actually followed by someone else in Weagle. 
So that makes oh. me feel better. Um, but he, okay, he makes a lot of charts. So he makes a chart for every month when it starts. So he just made one for February. And he says, <laughs> he kind of color coordinates the date. So it's like, oh, the 12th of February, that's all purple. It's for the Super Bowl. And then the February 2nd, that's the one day a year we acknowledge the existence of groundhogs. And just, <laughs> he just says funny stuff. And he's very relatable. And he he just uses a lot of graphs and science. Not like real science, but graphs and charts. Design and humor. Design and humor. Design, humor, and uh, science. It's mm-hmm. a cool combination. It's a cool vibe. I, I enjoy the vibes. And I, a lot of people that I know follow him that aren't necessarily designers. Mm-hmm. They're in so it for the last. got kind of like a universal appeal. Yes. Yeah, well, you can tell looking at these, these are not... Uh, like art pieces per se. Yeah. But they look you're like they look but they, good. They include I think they're funny. And he designs the chart, so I'm counting it. No, I think you should count it. It's definitely a form of design. Um, the next one we're gonna go to is Brief Club. So Brief Club, I like them because it's like they focus on being a community for creative people. And so they often give you a brief and they tell you like, okay, so this most recent one is Brief 90, so they've done 90 of these. This one's called, this is a company. They give you like the company name and a little bit about what it needs, and then it's a competition and you submit it. And then Mm. the winner gets posted on the account. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so this example is Flow Water, a bottled water company that requires a logo and bottle design plus any extras. And then you would go to their little hashtag and... There's already over 100 posts, so you can see what the people of Brief Club have created, and then they go and choose their favorite one. So I think that's cool. It's like competitions, but nothing too crazy. It's a great resource. I'm surprised I've never, like, seen this before. See, this is why we're doing this segment, because I feel like these people need to be seen. And that is Brief Club. I thought it was going to be, like, an underwear thing. Like boxer briefs. Oh, yeah. Oh, they might not be based out of America. It looks like they're not. Cool. Uh, you've actually had a lot of international artists, which is very cool. I'm trying to, you know, I just, I like what I like. And they're coming from all over. Okay, next designer, number eight. We just have two more after this. His, okay, so his username is L-U-C underscore designs. And he is a designer based in Windsor, Ontario. And, okay, his stuff, I like Mm. his stuff, but he doesn't do, like, the form-following function. That is – Oh, my gosh. That is, like, such a big thing right now. It is very frustrating. So I will say, while I like this designer, it's not – his designs aren't necessarily applicable for everything, yeah. But I do think it's a cool style. It also seems like he's just a logo guy. He is just a logo guy for sure. But sometimes, like, I'm pretty sure he made, he redid, oh, wait, I might be thinking of a different designer. I don't know. I definitely like his stuff, but a form doesn't follow function. That's all I'm going to say. But he has cool, he did, like, the New York Rangers and redid a bunch of logos for them. But do all of them give hockey vibes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he has kind of like a retro style he seems to really like and stick yeah. to. He, d- I think all of these people have a very distinct style. 
Yeah. Which, you know, if nothing else, that's awesome. Yeah, I like him, though. I'll follow him as well. I've been following pretty much everyone you've been talking about. That's exciting. Okay, now we're getting to my favorite illustrator. I don't know how to say her name, though, but I bought a coffee table book from her. Malika. Malika. Okay, so her name is Malika. M-A-L-I-K-A-F-A-V-R-E. And in my notes, I have favorite illustrator of all time. She (laughs) is a French artist based in London and Barcelona, and she just creates the most beautiful illustrations. She does beautiful color work, and she has a couple of things with a very slight animation, which I really like. Um, She's done a lot of posters for The New Yorker. She did stuff for Spotify audiobooks. If you are on Spotify and you see any of the illustrations of like the people holding up the phone but it's like in the shadow it's like a book or well that's like what all of them are (laughs) you're like looking at the phone but in the shadow it's a book she made those so yeah she she's a french designer and it's just so clear looking at her work like i don't know how you can look at someone or something and just know a french person made it but like these are French paintings. Yeah. <laughs> These are French designs. It's so good, though. I've she- seen you uh, use her stuff before as, uh, like, inspiration. Yeah. I think. Like, the lips. Yeah. I think you've used I before. like that. Um, and then, like, the female body with, like, the cigarette uh, yeah. or the matchstick is See, really cool. See, that's my, that's my favorite poet. And mm-hmm. that's his album. That's his book cover. Is that what you just pulled up? Oh, really? Yes, so my favorite poet and my favorite illustrator collabing. Wait, who's the poet? Michael Faudet. I also don't know how to say his name. Podcast is difficult because I'm realizing how much I can't pronounce things correctly. (laughs) But what can you do? Okay, last but not least, and then we need to hit an ad break. We have who I think is Lee's favorite typeface designer as well. His name is B.M. Nix, and... He's just amazing. He designs a lot of his own typefaces, and when they first come out, you can get them for free for maybe a day or two. Just such a nice thing to do. That is such a nice thing. Um, And I just love that all of his typefaces are his initials and then whatever the word is. (laughs) I don't know. That's so cute. What I love about his stuff is that, like, one, all of the typefaces are awesome. There's always something Mm -hmm. quirky and cool about them, like, he he puts a lot of work into making these and yes. making them different than other typefaces. But I love how he advertises them even more because yes. he'll just create like very beautiful designs to go with them. And, and um, sometimes they put them they're really context. random. Yeah, and but like but he's just got so good choice of words to put different mm-hmm. like letters together. Yes, it'll be like words. Okay, I just got to one. And it says millennium. Bleachers, aardvarks, <laughs> dashound, earnestly, fabulated. Like, what? Those words don't go together, but they look visually so appealing next to each other. Render, vendor, kinfolk, believe. <laughs> See, what does that even mean? It's just BM next his way of life. And but he's so his good beautiful, at beautiful, beautiful type. His, his typeface are so pretty. They're super versatile, too. They are so versatile. He has every single aesthetic in the book. Yeah, I love him. I, yeah, I love, I love him, too. I couldn't say en- enough good things about him. Well, let's cut to an ad break real quick. Uh, before you all hear the ads, you'll be listening to Angelina by Pine Grove. Um, don't go anywhere. 
Hi, you're listening to uh, Saturation Italicized on WGL 91.1 FM. I'm Lee. I'm Lauren. And I I didn't think about this setup. Hold up. I was, <laughs> I'm about to try. Lauren, you talk for a minute. Okay, so Lee's going to talk about what makes a good poster. And I, I guess I'll just be talking about it on my phone or like while reading from my phone docs. I mean, I you can look at it on my computer. That's no, okay. I have it. I have it on, uh, on my phone. Y'all, I came in not super prepared. Well, I came, I prepared, y'all. Don't worry. I just, my laptop's dying, and that's usually where I read off my notes. Um, but let's talk about what makes a good movie poster. I felt like it was a good time to talk about this because um, I'm currently in a poster design class, and posters are my favorite forms of things to design. Um, I really like the visual aspect and the more artful styles of po- that you can do with posters rather than advertisements for like companies um, because movies are artful things. Um, that's also why I like album design so much, I think. Um, but I felt like the easiest way to start off this topic about what makes good album design is to what makes is to first talk about what makes bad album or oh my god, movie poster design, not album design. Stuck in my head now. So what do I not like in posters? Um, I could really only think of like one very blatant thing, a uh, blatant thing I really didn't like in movie posters aside from, you know, just the typical like, oh, bad typeface treatment or bad like image treatment blah 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 or a uh, bad hierarchy, you know, but that that kind of goes with anything. Mm-hmm. But specifically for movie posters, I don't like the floating head theory. Have the you floating head theory. Do you know what I'm talking about with the floating head? Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> so, floating head theory is um, basically when a movie will take the, uh, celebrities or the characters in the movie and kind of just like cut their head out or cut their upper half out and just put it on like floating on the movie poster. And they will usually like layer the celebrities up. So it's like someone who's less important will be towards the back and then someone who's more important will be towards the front. Um, the way that's so many movie poster designs. Yeah, I think like Marvel movies. That's exclusively that. that's, what Marvel does now. I'm looking at an Iron Man poster that's doing it's that. It's all they do now. Um, what I don't like about this is that it's relying on like the celebrity's fame more mm-hmm. so than it's relying on any any type of like real design to represent the movie. And they usually don't represent the movie at all uh, rather than just having the characters on there which isn't really a representation of what the narrative is um and something I also don't like is that uh depending on the movie the poster will even have like like the most popular or the most like famous celebrity up front even if that celebrity isn't necessarily super important to the movie do you know what I'm talking about I do I actually have an example of this oh perfect whenever they were advertising Dune I feel like they <laughs> put Zendaya on everything. On everything. Yeah. Which they could have done with Timothy Chalamet. He's also super right. famous. But it was the amount that I thought Zendaya was going to be in it, and then she wasn't really. She in was it. in it, I think, in total for eight minutes. Yeah. Or something See, like but that. I felt like the way that they were advertising. Because they were so relying Zendaya on the heavy. fame of the character to right. pull people into the movie, not the design itself, like making people get excited and right. bring some allure to it. Um, so, yeah, I, that, they're just not artful. They're not design heavy. They don't really rely on a good designer as much as mm-hmm. they just rely on someone who knows how to, uh, like, use software to design. Um, and I think that's kind of a waste of represent, representing movies, um, especially when, you know, movies are another type of art form. So I feel like design, you can do something really cool with that. And I don't like that that's where a lot of movie, uh, 
movie poster design is heading towards. Um, so if that's like the type of movie posters I don't like, I definitely now want to show you kind of good movie poster representation. So I decided to pick out two movie posters um, that I think are kind of universal and that have like kind of stood the test of time, both of which are horror movies. I'm a little biased, um, but I think horror movies in general, their posters are the ones that kind of stay in people's minds. Um, yeah. So first up, I wanted to talk about the Shining poster, um, specifically the yellow Shining poster, um, which like if you know anything, if you're even like a sort of kind of horror movie buff, like you're going to know the yellow Shining poster. Super famous. Um, so like what is so strong about this poster specifically in comparison to like floating head posters? Um, well, I think that this poster sticks to a very simple color scheme, or I don't think that it very clearly does, but I think that makes it very strong. Um, the designer chose to only use yellow and black, um, which I think is a really interesting choice because yellow can be seen as, um, kind of a sign of good or a sign of lightness, um, when it's kind of doing the opposite in this poster. I think it's making it, making the viewer seem a little antsy, a little on edge, uh, which works very well with the movie. Um, and it also helps, like, really shine a spotlight onto the type, which is being used as image in the poster. Um, in the center of the poster is uh, The Shining, the title of the movie, uh, in really big, bold, black lettering. Um, on the T in The Shining and a little bit on the H, you see the image of a, a, grain, a grainy, illuminated face highlighted Um with a very, like, eerie expression on him, something kind of not human anymore. Um, the, typeface, the typeface used on the Shining logo in the center is very thick, very textured. The lines are ever so slightly uneven, uneasy, with the bases of the letter forms all hitting slightly different places. Um, that type is used to show the names of actors. Um, oh, sorry, excuse me. The type that is used to show the names of actors and producers on the film are written in a thin sans serif font that is just as eerie as the thick font. This time, however, because of the needle thin and ominous lines that perfectly balance the visual gray of the poster. So I think that this poster has really stood the test of time. I mean, the fact that I think The Shining was made in what the, the 90s, early 2000s. I think so. Somewhere somewhere mark. around there. Um, I'm sorry if I'm wrong, y'all. But it, regardless, it's been decades since this poster has came out, and it is still being mass-produced. It's still being sold. It's still used as decoration in people's rooms. Um, it's visually very pleasing, and it's a great representation of the movie, I think, because there's this constant unease, this constant kind of feeling of, like, what's really on the inside of what's going, in, going on at this place, which I think uh, having the face and the T also really captures very well. Um, there's something so uneasy about the poster, the harsh black, uh, contrasting with the like bright yellow. Um, and something specifically great about this poster was the typeface pairing. While they are both so different, one being visually very heavy, the other being very thin, um, they both are sans serifs. Uh, the contrast, contrast of these two typefaces paired together is very successful. Um, yet the mutual om ominous, ominousness of the pair holds them in close harmony um which just makes it uh, very visually pleasing to look at um and yet still scary still makes the viewer a little a little nervous when they look at it which is exactly what a good horror movie poster should do true um 
But up next, we will be talking about the Jaws movie poster, probably the most famous movie poster of all time and why I think that one uh, worked out so well. First, you'll be listening to Acolyte by Slaughter Beach Dog. So don't go anywhere. All right, jumping right back into saturation italicize. Let's talk about poster two. Um, Which, hold on, you can find on our Instagram at saturation.italicized. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) Little plug, little plug. Um, All right, so let's, like, it's the movie poster. Everyone knows Jaws. Everyone knows that poster. Um, Why? Why has it stood the test of time the way it has? Because that movie is old, old. Also, I've never seen Jaws. I know. Me I'm, neither. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Just, I'm not scared of the ocean. I'm not scared of sharks. So it's like never really like drawn me in like that. I know I need to watch it. And I don't want to be scared of sharks. I don't I want that gonna to say, happen. I was going to say, I'm not scared of it presently, but I do feel like if I watched the movie, I would become very scared of the ocean and sharks very quickly dude that's part of my like reasoning too i don't we should just enjoy the poster from (laughs) afar and never watch the movie yes so that's my disclaimer though like anything i'm talking about is solely like the design aspect of uh the poster and how i perceive it represents the movie um because i feel like i get the movie (laughs) um i think anyone who's been alive for longer than a month has heard about jaws (laughs) so What I personally love about the poster is the way it's able to give a narrative with so little information. Um, There's a girl swimming across the poster. Her head is bobbing above the water. She's blissfully unaware of the shark ready to pounce directly under her. Above her head reads Jaws in thick, bold red colors. It's so simple, but it works on so many levels. First, just the image itself is representative of the entire movie allegedly, and doesn't have to be overworked to get the message across. It relies on the common fear of the ocean and sharks that many people have. The blue water is calm, but but a misguided visual element. The woman swimming perceives she is safe, but she is nude and vulnerable. She is surrounded by the beautiful ocean without a care in the world, but unbeknownst to her, the jaws linger above and under her, waiting to strike in the thick, suffocating red of the tidal. So speaking of typefaces in this poem, what's poem? Oh my gosh, y'all! I'm I'm <laughs> I'm tired today. I'm sleepy. I'm out of it. Um, typefaces in the poster. Uh, what's going on? It took me a second looking at this, trying to figure out how many typefaces were actually being used, and um, I didn't find anything about what actual like typeface uh it, it is on there or what two of them they are. But I do think it's only two typefaces, and I think that um, the text uh, that's above the Jaws title card, um, where it's talking about it being one of the scariest movies, I believe that is the same typeface that is used um, throughout the piece, but it's just a different weight of it. Um, And I think it looks great. Don't get me wrong. It just took me a second to figure out how many different fonts were being used. Um, But after the detective work, like I said, I do think it is just two. Um, And I think that the Jaws itself on the title was manipulated a little bit to give it a bit more of an uneasy, uneven feel because I was comparing the W in Jaws to, there was a W uh, where Mm -hmm. I think the actor's names is listed. And it looks, the the one in Jaws looks slightly asymmetrical compared to that W. Same with the A and the S. Like the S, the two ends of it are slightly tapered. So, yeah, I think they did some... It, did. it, it looks slightly different, but I feel yeah. like they just made it outlines and warped it. Yeah, I don't I don't even know face. how they did that, like, when this poster was being made, just without use, being able to use, like, uh, 
like type outlines and stuff. I have no clue. They were struggling to do that. Um, but uh, I think the two fonts with the Jaws headline being slightly distorted and edited makes it a bit more unique. The writing on the top describing the movie as terrifying is also that font um, with a different weight being used. Um, is the and it is the same font as the uh, movie's big names are written. Um, it's accompanying accompanying type is similar to the shining secondary type. It's scratchy, it's thin, and it's unnerving. This is probably for a combination of reasons. One, it's perceived as less important than the title of the movie and the image is depicting and the image depicting it. And two, to create a nice visual contrast against the rest of the poster. So sorry. I was going to say, I'm going to have to stop you right there. This has nothing to do with our show, but <laughs> if anyone has checked the Instagram I just posted, and you know who just liked it? Deirdre. Deirdre. I thought I saw that. Okay. I was trying. That's why I started to stumble, because I was trying <laughs> to read when I saw the notification. I was like, wait a second. I didn't even realize she, like, followed us. I thought she just liked our stuff. I think she did follow that's Deirdre. So if you're nice. out there listening to this, we love you Thank here you at so Saturation much. Italicized. But anyway, <laughs> continue with the poster. <laughs> well... All in all, I was just going to say that what we're seeing here is to create a timeless movie poster. Yeah. Uh, all you really need is simplicity to represent the movie and its narrative, a simple color palette, and attention to detail and typefaces. So uh, basically just stick to design principles and you'll be good. I don't think we have to change up any major design rules to create a good poster. I think you follow most things, but maybe just take into account... Um, a more artful approach to it and a more narrative approach to what image is being used to represent the movie. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's kind of what I thought made a good movie poster. Um, I love these two movie posters. I, the Jaws one is impeccable. Uh, and I don't know if universally it's agreed that the Shining movie poster is so good. I mean, obviously it is timeless. It's still being posted. But me personally, when I was thinking about good movie posters, it was the first one that popped into my head. Other than Pulp Fiction, which I didn't even necessarily really want to talk about that poster. Um, but Fair. Yeah, I, th- I just think it's beautiful. I, I, th- I think it's great. Um, and with that, I think we're going to be heading into our third song of the night. Uh, you're going to be listening to Shadows by Childish Gambino. Don't go anywhere. Hi, welcome back to Saturation Italicized. It's been a quick, quick episode this week. I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like it was simultaneously super short because we've only gone through two segments, but also really long. I don't, I don't know. It's maybe just the vibes from today. I took like a midday nap and I think that threw me off a little bit. Mm, Maybe. Um, Okay, we're going to jump into Poetry by Mary Oliver, who, are you familiar with Mary Oliver? Um, to some extent, like, I don't think I could tell you, like, specifically any poems that are hers, but, like, I have definitely read them okay. before. So, just to give you, like, a little rundown, a lot of her stuff, she just uses, like, really accessible language. Like, anyone could pick up this book and pretty much understand what she's saying. Um, she's really optimistic, and a lot of her themes deal with aging, um and wondering like how to age gracefully um but I'm gonna read you one of her poems that I read today in my poetry class and then we are gonna analyze it so this is hurricane it didn't behave like anything you had ever imagined the wind tore at the trees the rain fell for days slant and hard the back of the hand to everything I watched the trees bow and their leaves fall and crawl back into the earth as though that was that this was one hurricane I lived through. The other one was different, was, a, was of a different sort and lasted longer. 
Then I felt my own leaves giving up and falling, the back of the hand to everything. But listen now to what happened to the actual trees. Towards the end of the summer, they pushed new leaves from their stubbed limbs. It was the wrong season, yes, but they couldn't stop. They looked like telephone poles and didn't care. And after the leaves came blossoms. For some things, there are no wrong seasons, which is what I dream of for me. Isn't that last line so cute? I love that. Yeah, so I have this. I had to get Mary Oliver's collection of poetry for my poetry class. And I got it for the Kindle, like, on my computer. And she, like, this last line, for some things there are no wrong seasons, which is what I dream of for me, that was underlined by, like, 500 people. For some reason, Mm. Kindle tells you, like, this has been underlined by X amount of people. Oh, it's touched so many people, though, that one line. Yeah. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, so you can see, like, she has an extended metaphor um, of Hurricane throughout. Um, and she includes a lot of, like, short, chopping line length, a lot of enjambment, but she just creates such a nice rhythm. Um she references a literal hurricane, but then represents another metaphorical hurricane of her suffering. Um, and what's a theme in all of her poems, well, not all, but a lot, is she's very observant about nature, and she compares a lot of nature to humans. Like, she, what was the wording? It was like, she humanizes nature and naturalizes humans Mm, cool yeah that's what my poetry professor said today I was like that's awesome that's so real um that's so real prof (laughs) yeah literally um so at the end of this like the trees they go back up after the suffering um and it makes her optimistic for some things because there's no wrong seasons I think um something that's really nice too is I saw that or maybe you'd say yeah you said earlier that she uses very accessible language which I Mm -hmm. really like here um I really like how she manages to create such a kind of serene and delicate and beautiful atmosphere without like needing well serene's not the right word it's about a hurricane but this poem does feel very still it is written yeah in the point of view of post the hurricane Mm -hmm. and um I think that reads pretty well through it's very calm and I, I just really like that she's able to conjure up like such uh such big emotions I think with such simple language and not complicated yeah which is a huge feat she um we have another we have more time for another poem by her that's a little bit shorter but this one is so good it's called the gardener and it's also like same accessible language but it's still like a punch in the gut so okay it goes have I lived enough have I loved enough have I considered right action enough Have I come to any conclusions? Have I experienced happiness with sufficient gratitude? Have I endured loneliness with grace? I say this, or perhaps I'm just thinking it. Actually, I probably think too much. Then I step out into the garden where the gardener, who is said to be a simple man, is tending to his children, the roses. Mm. Which is so good. Okay, so we talked about this in class, how the first stanza is just complete rhetorical questions and it makes you think it's coming from the gardener because that's what the poem is called. But then in the sex, in the second stanza, you can see that those are all of her thoughts. All of the rhetorical questions were just her thoughts. And then she turns and looks at the gardener to distract herself from her own thoughts. 
and his little action of gardening the plants is a big part of his identity and he's providing her with peace because he's living in the moment Mm -hmm. and he's enduring loneliness with grace which is one of her questions and I think also um I I have the same thought that like it was she kind of stopped thinking about these things because she was like oh look at him like being Mm -hmm. happy over something like simple and beautiful Yeah. yeah and I think it's also kind of hinting at that idea that, like, we suffer the most inside of our own heads. And um, there's always, like, some beauty to be found if you just look out and around you. Mm-hmm. And um, she talks about, like, loneliness in that, like, last sentence, that last line in the first stanza. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you realize, like, or she looks over and she's not even alone, which yeah is oh. kind of interesting, too, as I think it's uh, her showing that maybe all of these thoughts in her head are completely just her punishing herself you, you know? just she, blew my mind we did not talk about that idea in class hey yo, <laughs> hey, yo just, am like, i the new professor yeah you just broke the third wall like, <laughs> i wish you saw my face but um yeah she's not even i mean she might have loneliness but she's mm-hmm. not alone yeah and wow. uh that, that was beautiful too right i just oh i loved her stuff and now i'm kind of thankful that At first, I was like, do I really have to buy the book? But now (laughs) I have a book from an author I like, you know? And it's on my computer, so I don't have to, like, lug around a book. And now the next time you want to just go sit outside on a nice day, you have a little poetry book of of optimistic poems. With easy language I can read. With easy language that will not bog you down. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up a little bit early tonight. Um, We have a new show coming on after our slot. Yeah. It will Everyone be Silly Willie's Tune Time. Um, I'm sure any of our avid listeners have heard us um, multiple times. We'll say, oh, well, Will's listening, and Will said that we should listen to this song. Um, he finally got his own yeah. show. <laughs> it's now time for us to listen to Will. And uh, we're so excited, too. So, yeah, don't uh, don't go anywhere. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, enjoy Silly Willie's Tune Time after this. I think it's a... Um, an alt like alt rock uh, alternative music show so i'm sure any artless any arts uh listeners will really enjoy that but uh thank you so much for tuning into saturation italicized we will see you on next tuesday it's been a pleasure and as always war damn eagle Thank you for listening. This was Saturation Italicized with your hosts, Lauren and Lee. Tune in next week at 9 p.m. on Tuesdays for more art and design discussion. And follow our Instagram at saturation.italicized. War Eagle.